This is The Space Shot, episode 264, for February 2nd, 2018. Arrival, and where is everybody? I'm John Molnix. Well, today I finished unpacking books and have just about got my office where I need it to be. I've got some acoustic panels that I'm going to be installing over the next month, which will be a nice change of pace from the previous locations I've been recording in for the past 264 days. Most of today was spent putting away books, and I found one that I had been meaning to read for the past couple of months, but I haven't had the chance. I've been focused a lot on reading non-fiction lately, and I've neglected reading some fictional works. I saw the movie Arrival back when it was in theaters, and after watching it, I picked up the book. I'm going to start reading Arrival tonight after I post this episode, and I'll let you know what I think of the book once I've finished it. Arrival is one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time, so I'm hopeful that the book is just as good as the movie. Usually it's the other way around, so I shouldn't be too worried about this. Seeing this book made me think of a previous episode I had recorded, so I'm sharing it here because it's one of my favorite episodes. Here's episode 29 from way back in June of 2017. You've probably missed this episode if you're new to the podcast, so enjoy. Tomorrow, we take an untethered spacewalk with Bruce McCandless and the MMU. This is The Space Shot, episode 29, for June 12th, 2017. Where is everybody? Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Mulnix. Today we're talking about Fermi's paradox, exoplanets, and the bigger question of what's out there. But before we talk about the existence of extraterrestrial life, I want to mention a birthday. On this day in 1843, Sir David Gill, a Scottish astronomer, is born. He is remembered for measuring the distances between Mars and Earth, the distance to some nearby stars, and the distance from Earth to the Sun. Gill was also one of the first people to use astrophotography in his astronomical studies. By using astrophotography, he could determine the positions and brightness of the stars he was cataloging. The techniques he developed to view a comet in 1882 were then applied to a survey of the southern sky, and Gill's Annals of the Cape Observatory lists over 450,000 stars of varying magnitudes. He worked primarily in South Africa and was Her Majesty's astronomer at the Cape of Good Hope until a few years before his death in 1914. Surveying the sky and cataloging stars is something humanity has done for hundreds of years. It's only in the last 25 years or so that we've started surveying other planets. During the 1950s, while Enrico Fermi was working at the Los Alamos National Laboratory, he had his now famous lunchtime conversation about where is everybody? Fermi's paradox, briefly put, has four essential parts. First, there are billions of stars in our galaxy that are similar in age and also older than our sun. Second, there's a high probability that a percentage of these stars will have Earth-like planets that could eventually be capable of developing intelligent life. Third, some intelligent life forms could develop the ability to travel across the galaxy. And finally, even at near-relativistic speeds, or the speed of light, the Milky Way could be crossed in millions of years compared to the billions of years that planets have been around. 
Fermi's reasoning is that the Earth should have already been contacted by alien visitors by now. The lack of evidence to show that we've met with extraterrestrial life is what led Fermi to ask, where is everybody? He wasn't the only person to wonder about intelligent life in the universe. Konstantin Tsiolkovsky, the Russian and Soviet rocket scientist and theorist, advocated the idea that there is a vast diversity of life in the universe. Winston Churchill started writing an article about extraterrestrial life in 1939, but set it aside to revise it in the late 1950s after the end of World War II and his final term as Prime Minister. Churchill, Fermi, and Tsiolkovsky were all thinking about who's out there and where are they. During their lifetimes, the discovery of exoplanets was still in the realm of science fiction rather than science fact. Fast forward to the 1960s and Frank Drake, his famous equation, the Drake Equation, has been used as a basis for conversations around how many intelligent civilizations could be living in the Milky Way galaxy. The Drake Equation, Fermi's Paradox, and other writings are all concerned with answering the question, are we alone in the galaxy? There's some interesting possibilities as to why we don't have confirmation of other life in the galaxy, and I'm going to briefly touch on three of the most prominent ones right now. The first, and I think most depressing option, is that we are alone in the galaxy, that somehow no other intelligent life form exists among the billions of stars in our galaxy. This is something I find extremely unlikely, and again, very sad. <laughs> the second option is that we are the first intelligent life that's capable of searching for other life forms while also broadcasting our existence to the galaxy. The third option is the so-called zoo theory, where an advanced race would prevent external contamination or contact with our civilization. Similar to the Prime Directive in Star Trek, non-interference by alien races would allow our species to evolve naturally without external forces taking us in a direction we might not want to go. Whatever the case may be, it's an interesting thing to think about because more and more planets are being discovered each year. The inevitability of finding alien life grows with each successive generation of telescopes and more plants that are found with those new telescopes. As of June 8, 2017, there are 3,492 confirmed planets in the Exoplanet Archive run by NASA and Caltech. Of those 3,492, there are 581 multi-planet systems. There are also a staggering 4,496 Kepler candidates and these are planets that are, we think are planets that still haven't been verified, but once they are verified that they are planets, they will be added to that 3,492. By the 2020s, the next generation of space-based telescopes will become operational, allowing for the possibility, this is really crazy, of directly imaging other planets, potentially other Earth-like planets as well. Tomorrow, we'll catch up with the Hayabusa probe and Pioneer 10, I'm grateful that everyone has taken the time to listen to the show. It would mean a lot if you could leave a review on iTunes and Google Play Music. If you know someone that loves space, history, or pop culture, please share the Space Shot on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, anywhere you connect with your friends and family. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.